Quite a few years ago, I, I came walking home, walking up the back hill there, and, and uh, my son was sitting there, sitting on the back stoop. And he was, he was quite young at the time. He had his baseball bat with him, and he had his baseball with him, and, and, and he was sitting there just kind of dejected. And, uh, you know, I've got a counseling background, so I can read people, and I said, hey, buddy, what's up? Oh, Dad, I'm struggling. Well, what's going on? You know, I'm thinking, okay, this is the chance for Dad to step in. And he goes, well, I, I was throwing the ball up and practicing my hitting, and I hit a window. And I've been struggling of whether to tell you or not. Okay, uh, where's the window? So he took me around, he showed me the window, and we have, in our front of our house, there's a couple of window wells, and there's some small basement windows, and one of those had gotten hit by an errant baseball, and there was a little crack in it, and so, you know, we talked about it, but, you know, and, and I, I, I really did, I stifled the smile, because for him, the struggle was real. I could, he, he was struggling with, I could just kind of let this go and, and just pretend it never happened and nobody would know and then they would see the window and go, it's oh, an old house, that happens. And, but he, he, he wrestled with the struggle of do I tell the truth or not? <laughs> have you ever struggled with doing the right thing? I know I have. And as a pastor and meeting with people and all and uh, counseling with people, I have observed and I have taught that as human beings, we are multi-layered. We are, another term for it is we're dynamic. We present something outwardly to other people, but that's not always what's going on inside. Sometimes we have to realize decisions we make that we think we made for all the right reasons. Sometimes those decisions are influenced in ways that we are not always cognizant of. Influenced by maybe how we were raised. Influenced by who we're trying to please. Influenced by experiences we've had. Influenced by events in our lives. Influenced by how we perceive ourselves to be. We are multi-layered. And it strikes me today that in our passage, we are going to be met with the multi-layered realities of life as we live our day, daily lives before a holy and righteous God. Now, I will admit to you today, the section we're in in Romans, chapter 7, verses 7 through 25, is probably one of the most difficult passages in scripture in fact i went back over my notes from back in the early 2000s when i preached through romans and i have notes on every chapter of the book and part of me wonders if i skipped this one because i can't could not find my notes on romans 7 and so in my research and my study i ran across an article that was less than encouraging because the guy started the article by saying if you reached out to the top Bible scholars around the world and you ask them to list their top five most difficult passages, no doubt Romans 7, 7 to 25 would find its way on every one of those lists. And I'm going, wow, thanks, Lord. Okay. Added to that, 
There are, as I counted them, at least four or five different interpretations of this. <sighs> Here we go, kids. I'm going to tell you right now. I take the approach, and I'm going to preach this passage from the approach that I think, because Paul uses first-person pronouns, that he's actually talking about himself and his struggle. And we'll see that later on. And, and for me, that makes so much sense. And it helps me understand this passage. I think Paul's being real here. And, and I appreciate the reality of that. Now, I'm going to do something, and, and for those of you out in Facebook land, you'll just have to hear it. I'm not going to, it's going to be on the screen for us, but you might not be able to see it very well. I want to give you, I want to start you off this morning with two bottom line reality statements that we're going to start with, and then I'm going to bring them back at the end. Here's the first bottom line reality statement that I see here. We all struggle with sinful habits, and no amount of rule following will fix the struggle. We all struggle with sinful habits. If you say you don't struggle with sinful habits and sinful it's things that well up inside of you, then I don't think you're being fully honest with yourself. We all do. And yet, following a whole bunch of rules doesn't change that. It might help a little bit, but following rules doesn't always fix the struggle. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Here's the second bottom line reality. It is only because of the grace I find in Jesus Christ that I can overcome. God's grace, God's grace shown through Christ, His grace is what gives me the strength to overcome and to move forward. With that in mind, let's take a look at a few verses here beginning in Romans chapter 7 verse 7 and I'll read through verse 14 to get us started. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I find that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. I get it. That sounds like a lot of doublespeak. I'm going to try to flesh that out. And let me just start here. Following external rules and practices is good, but it's not transforming. Now, we saw last week in verses 1 through 6, Paul talking about being free from the law. And by the way, let me just help you here. We've done this before, but when you think law, let's for our sake here in this time 
Just think the Ten Commandments. I can wrap my head around the Ten Commandments, the, the preamble to the law, and that's going to come into play here. And Paul said, you know, you're, he said, talked about being free from the law. And, and that would have made his Jewish brothers and sisters who were part of the Church of Rome sit up and, and take notice because that would have brought about a question from them, a question that they would have said, is the law sinful? And that's the question that kind of starts out here. Is the law sinful? Is the law bad? Is the law wrong? And Paul says, certainly not. And yet, sometimes, when you or I or when someone else, when we tend to, and this is a tendency, overemphasize the New Testament, we can kind of act like the Old Testament law was somehow wrong or bad. Remember, the Old Testament law was given by a holy and righteous God to his people. It's not something bad. And so Paul says that the answer to that question is absolutely not. It was given by God. He says on the positive side, the law defines sin. What the law does is it shows us what is outside of God's standards. It defines sin. And as Paul says, he said, I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, don't covet. And so, and it's interesting that Paul here, and we'll see it again, references the 10th commandment. Now, Paul was trained as a rabbi. And so he knew in rabbinical fashion, when you referenced one specific area, you meant the whole area. So he's really referencing all the 10 commandments, but he focuses on coveting. And I think that is significant in light of our, what we're going to be looking at here. When you think about it, the command, the 10th command, you shall not covet, is the only command that is internal. I don't know. I know if I've been lied to. As a parent, I knew when I was dishonored. And as a kid, I knew when I dishonored my parents and disobeyed my parents. I know when something has been stolen from me. And I know when I have taken something that wasn't mine. But coveting, you can't see coveting. You can't put a finger on coveting. It's deep inside. And I think that's so important because so often we only think about sin as external. And Paul says, I wouldn't have known what coveting was except for the law. And he said, but he goes on, he says, sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. What Paul says is, and I think he's referencing back to Romans 3, and, and we'll just focus on Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or you go back a little further, Romans 3.10, there is none that are righteous. righteous. That, that, that human nature that was in me, that, that tends to sometimes be self-absorbed, that took the idea of not coveting, and it just stirred it. You know, it, it, it's that, that idea that you say to somebody, we talked about it last week with the wet paint sign, you say, don't touch this. And it's like, yeah, I wonder if. And so Paul said, it stirred within me every kind of, of sin. And then he says this in verse 9 that is really hard to discern. Once I was alive apart from the law, but then I learned the commandment, and it actually brought about death. It actually brought a, a separation. 
And you say, Paul, how can you be alive apart from the law? Well, well, Paul looks at it and says, more or less, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, Paul was born into a Jewish home. Paul studied to be a rabbi. He studied under Gamaliel. The law was part of his life from birth. It was always part of his life. How were you alive apart from the law? You always had the law in your life. But, but Paul says, but there were times I didn't know what I didn't know. I thought about this and I remembered conversations I've had over the years, back when I was a youth pastor and even after that, and especially seemingly with teenage boys. Usually teenage boys, 13, 14, 15. And the conversation goes something like this. One day, I'm going to drive a, and you fill in the blank. And it was never like my first car, 1965 Rambler Ambassador. That was my very first car. Look it up. It looks like, remember when you used to draw cars in first grade? Up, over, up, over, up. That was my first car. You know, and, and, and it's, you know, I bought it for $400. That was when you could buy a car for $400 and sell it for $5. I made money. Anyway, these kids, I'm going to buy, I'm going to drive a Corvette. Oh, not me, man. It's going to be a Lamborghini. Oh, I'm going to drive a Beamer, man, a BMW. That's where it's at. It's a driving machine. And on and on. And, and, and of course, that conversation always went with the kind of engine the car had and, and the speed it could go and all of that. Somehow the conversation never got to the cost of gas. Somehow the conversation never made it to the cost of maintenance. Somehow it never made it to the cost of insurance. So in a sense, those teenage boys were alive apart from the realities of actually owning a vehicle. And that's what Paul is saying. I thought I was alive. I thought I was living large. I was alive apart from the law. And then I hear the law and I'm like, oh man, I'm not alive at all. And I think that's why the Ten Commandment is so important here. It deals with the internals. And Paul is saying, the law showed me my sin. The law showed me what was wrong. But the law never changed me. The law didn't transform me. It showed me the rules to follow, but it didn't change me. And said, in a sense, I was like put to death. I, I saw how bad I was. And he says, it wasn't the law that was wrong. It was sin in me that was wrong. So Paul says, it's in the internals. You see, real change doesn't come from just changing a habit. It's important to change a habit. But if you haven't changed your mindset, people who know about these things tell me that you can decide you're going to say go on a diet and lose weight and it's important to be at a healthy weight but if you just start changing what you eat and don't change your mindset it's not going to last very long and so paul says the the, the sin sees the opportunity and it made me really see more of who i was and yet it didn't change me you see, if you and I aren't asking God to change us at the core of our being, we call it the heart, then we, and, and yet we're following this set of rules, this set of things that are good to do, nothing wrong with them, 
we're susceptible to sin seizing us and pulling us even further away from God. You see, it's possible that you read your Bible every day, and I hope you do. Reading your Bible is important, but if you're reading your Bible so that you can just check it off a list, then you're, you're kind of reading it as an assignment, not as God's Word. It is important that we pray. We have to have open communication with God. But if I'm praying because, well, did that today. God is good. Great. God is good. Let him thank us for our food. Check. Prayed. Then it's not really communication. You know, if you're showing up here in church and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're with us online. But if you're doing that because, well, got my God on today, showed up in church then it's not making a difference. And, and, and that's why just following rules doesn't transform, it doesn't change us. There's a story in Mark chapter 10. Jesus is walking along and this rich young guy comes up to him. And some of the other gospels say he fell at his feet. And he said, good master, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus talks to him about why are you calling me good and, and, and the whole idea is if you really believe I'm good, you're going to listen to what I say. And Jesus said, well, tell me about the commandments. And, 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 and he goes through and, he, and Jesus lists some of the commandments. And again, lists a few of them. I've done them all. I have not made any graven images. I've not taken the Lord's name in vain. I am on and on and on. I have done them all. I don't covet. And Jesus said, great. Two thumbs up. Now here's what I want you to do. You go sell everything, everything you have, and don't reinvest it so that you just kind of liquidated your assets. No, you sell it and you give it all to the poor so that you have absolutely nothing left, and now you come and follow me. The guy walked away. The scriptures tell us Jesus had compassion on him, but he walked away because he was very wealthy. He had checked all the things on the boxes, but it hadn't changed his dependency. He was still dependent on his wealth. That's, I think, what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I, I, I followed the rules, but the rules didn't change me. I followed the rules, but I became more sinful. I followed the rules, and I struggled. And, and I think the reality is we need transformation, not just a change of habits. Because what we find in the next few verses, beginning in verse 15, is to some degree, we all struggle with sinful habits and choices. Listen to these verses. Paul, I'll pick it up in verse 15. I'll pick it up in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Remember, the law defines sin. As it is, no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. 
Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. To some degree, we all struggle with sinful choices and habits. Now, keep in mind, I don't see Paul saying here that he's not responsible for his actions. Don't, don't hear that in this. What I do say in is Paul is saying, I get it. I'm not perfect. I struggle. And, and, and as I said, because the pronouns are first-person pronouns, yes, kids, grammar matters. Because they are first-person pronouns, I believe I take the approach. Paul's talking about himself here. And not himself sometime before, before he knew the Lord. He's talking about himself. I read a... a about a guy that actually sat down with the late J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer, a, a theologian, a scholar. And, and, and he, the guy was telling about how Packer was at his college and, and you were, they were told you could sign up for a one-on-one -on -one session with J.I. Packer. I would have given anything to have been able to do that. And he signed up and he went and he talked to him and Packer said, well, what can I help you with? He goes, explain Romans 7. And and I thought Packer's response, and I'll paraphrase it here. He said, Paul was so in tune with the Holy Spirit and with his relationship with God, he was so sensitive to what God was doing that even the slightest misstep bothered him because he knew that it was sin and he always struggled with sin. And then they went on to say, it would be like if you're wearing a bright white shirt. You'll notice I don't wear white shirts very often. One of the reasons is because I spill when I eat, okay? And I ruin white shirts. You know, can I get an amen, right? So I don't, but, but imagine yourself having that beautiful, freshly washed, maybe slightly starched white shirt and a black ant begins to crawl up your sleeve. You notice that. They use spider, but I didn't want to get anybody with arachnophobia, so we'll do black ant. A black ant, you notice that. You see it. You don't miss it. And you want to get rid of it. And he said that, that Packer said, that's kind of how the Apostle Paul was. He was so in tune with God, he was very sensitive to sin. You see, the more you and I are in tune with God, the more we become aware of our own sinfulness. And the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more that sensitivity will be. And that's where change comes. It comes deep down inside to say, you don't want to go this way. You don't want to do that. This is, you do not, you want to stay in harmony. In all of this, it seems like doublespeak. And I think Paul's just saying, I get it. He says, I don't do what I want to do, but I do what I know is wrong. And when I do what I do not want to do, what I do is I say, yep, the law is good. It calls me out. It shows me my sin. It defines where I'm at. And then he says, sin turns me inside out. I, I really want to do what is good, but somehow I just seem incapable of. And then I don't do the good thing, but I do what is not good. And again, sin turns me inside out. He goes, I have this battle 
going on inside me. It seems to rage. And in fact, you get down to the end of this, and he says, verse 24, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He goes, I, 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 just, I, I don't even like myself sometimes very much. Have you ever felt that way in life? I have. Have you ever known the right thing to do and you ignored all the warnings? I can't find it anymore. I, I cleaned out my file once and I, I actually thought I had it saved electronically and I didn't. But I, I wrote a paper for one of my doctoral classes on the discipline of listening to the Holy Spirit. And the illustration I used is one that haunts me to this day. It was, a, it was in the winter, and you know, I heard a knock, not at our front door or our side door, which are on the kind of the main level, but down at the basement level, a knock on the door. And I went down, and there was this gal there with a backpack on, and she was saying she needed to get to DeKalb or somewhere, and how she could do it, and she was walking. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit was saying in my ear, in my soul, Scott, get Charlene and just give this person a ride. And I watched her walk away as I said, you want to go back out to Geneva Road, you want to turn left and just keep walking. I, I, I can't get that back. I, can't, I don't know if I turned an angel away. I don't know. But I know I didn't listen. And I think we can all say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I got one of those. Because it's who we are. We, 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 we have Christ in our lives. We believe he died on the cross for our sins. We believe he rose again the third day. We celebrated at Easter. And yet sometimes we just wrestle with the right thing. And we have this battle going on. I know the right thing I ought to do. I know I shouldn't try to bring five cans of soup when the coupon only says three. But you know what? Let's see if we can get by with it. I know, and I know personally, I know it's grace that they give me five miles over the speed limit, but let me push it and see if I can get 10. I know that the checkout person gave me a 20 and they should have only given me a 10, but you know what? It's a big company. They're a big box store. They made billions in profits last year. They, they plan for these types of mistakes. I know I should take it back, but you know what? I could use the extra 10. And, and we struggle, we struggle so often with, with even the little things. Paul cries out, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Why can't I change? Why can't I be better? Why can't I fix it? Why am I so frustrated with myself? And verse 25 gives us the answer. It is only through faith in the work of Jesus that I can change. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
What a great reminder. I am wretched. I struggle. I get it. God, I don't know why you pay attention to me. And he says, because I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins, and you put your faith in him, and now he can deliver you. It is only through faith in the work of Jesus that I can change. You see, I don't have the power in me to transform myself spiritually. Yes, I can change behavior. I have changed behavior. Uh, I've broken bad habits. Maybe you've broken bad habits. Some of you know that sometimes on Sunday afternoon, Charlene and I drive into Chicago where a friend of ours started a church in 2019, in December of 2019, and they survived COVID, and they're still going. And, and on those drives in, because Charlene is out with the children, she listens to the sermon, which means I listen to the sermon. And when I've taught preaching classes out of doing this, I've told every student I've ever had, you need to listen to yourself at least once a month. I picked up on some bad verbal habits that I was doing. And I corrected them. That's external change. It's it's doable. You can change. But that's external. Real change comes from the inside out. Real change begins deep within what we call the heart. It begins with beginning to really be honest about your motives. And saying, okay, God, I, I have this struggle I have the Holy Spirit that indwells me because I put my faith in Christ. Help me understand, help me understand my motives. Help me be honest with myself. You know, Jeremiah 17.9 reminds us that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And if you stop there, you miss the answer. Because the answer is in verse 10. I, the Lord, know the heart. You see, God knows you. God knows your struggles. God knows your motives. God knows your past. God knows where you've struggled in life. God knows where you were mistreated. God knows where you mistreated others. He knows all of that. And he says, I love you with an everlasting love. And I love you so much. I want what's better for you. Real change comes from the God who searches our heart and knows our deepest motives, even if we can't put a finger on it. It's in the heart. It's in the heart where everything happens. The heart drives us. It's the heart where past memories tend to crop up. It's in the heart where we're, the first change needs to be, take place. And I think sometimes, and I draw this from my Alcoholics Anonymous friends, sometimes it's saying, I am powerless to change on my own. God, I need you. I think of a song. We're not singing it today. It pops up in my head every now and then. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your Holy Spirit dwelling in me. When, when God becomes and when the Holy Spirit becomes the air I breathe, it begins to change me from deep within. You see, when you and I come to the place where we understand that God the Father, in His great love, through the willing death of Jesus Christ on the cross, paid the price and rescued us from our sins, 
then we understand that God and the whole plan, and Jesus talks about it in John 14, that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, I love that description of the Holy Spirit. Also, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, he comes in and he indwells us. And I, don't ask me to explain that because I cannot. I just know that's what it says and I believe it. But I know what the job of the Holy Spirit is. He's to guide us and he's to teach us and he's to correct us and he's to show us where we're stepping outside of God's standards so we'll step back into those standards and then he transforms us from the inside out. As long as you and I have breath, we will struggle with sin. It's just a fact. But we have all that we need to change, to overcome, to be transformed, and not to be beaten down by false guilt, but to overcome and to follow Christ. You see, we all struggle with sinful habits, and no amount of rule following will fix the struggle, but because of the grace I find in Jesus Christ, I can overcome, I can change, I can be transformed. I pray that you and I would be continuing on a journey of transformation as we get to know our Lord more. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Ah, thank you for tough passages that make us think. Help us to be thinking today. Thinking deeply about who you are. About what you've done for us. Help us to keep tuning our spiritual ears into learning to listen and then to obey the Holy Spirit. Help us to see you changing us. Bit by bit, little by little, as we journey with you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.